Battleline podcast, we have Matt Waters coming on. We actually uh, just wrapped up that interview and it was great. I think you guys are really going to love it. Um, we will probably put some video footage of it on Instagram. I'm still working on getting all the video production together. But uh, next month, we will be putting up full episodes on YouTube in video. So get ready for that. Um, with that, before we get over to Army Ranger and police officer Matt Waters, uh, one of the most important steps you can take in bolstering your immune system is getting quality sleep and giving your body what it needs to heal and recover. Uh, Chris, I could say for me, man, the two things that that people really don't take into account enough is, for one, getting exercise, I think, really helps your sleep, and then being on the right supplement. People seem to think you need to take some like yeah. addictive sleeping pill in, a, in order to get a good night's sleep, and Ned has definitely proven for me that that is not true. Yeah, and, you know... Getting on any sort of over-the-counter sort of medication, sleeping supplement, you end up feeling groggy the next day. It can affect your emotional. It can affect your, I mean, your emotions. It affects your mood. Where I just did CBD. I mean, even, I know they have the sleep blend as well, but CBD just it, it just allows me to focus and calm, and and I have a good night's sleep. I really do, uh, and I don't feel groggy or awful the next morning. Actually, I feel wake up and like, all right, another day's coming in my way. You feel refreshed. You feel good. And your emotional state is, is honestly effective positively. So yeah, I definitely swear by the CBD. CBD has, has really affected my life in such a positive way. And as a side effect, it has helped me maintain the inflammation that comes with my ulcerative colitis throughout my body. So I don't have pain in my joints in the morning when I wake up and my stomach and my gut health has, has improved immensely because of the anti-inflammatory capability. So guys, there's so many reasons to take CBD, not just sleep, which Ian can get a test to as well, but other things that the side effects, the positive side effects that it ha has when you when you do take it and you do take it regularly. Yeah, I agree. CBD in general has definitely helped me for sleep. And for those of you who are looking for sleep in particular, if that's what you're looking to treat, they're really doing some great things with that. Ned's new dream set includes their best selling sleep blend and mellow magnesium. Magnesium is very important for sleep. So two products specifically developed to optimize your body for sleep and relaxation. It's the ultimate combo to revolutionize your sleep. Ned's new and improved sleep blend contains CBN, a powerful cannabinoid that promotes sleep with 750 milligrams of USDA certified organic CBD, yes, organic, from the purest single source hemp flower extract and 24% more organic and wildcrafted botanicals than the previous formulation. Mellow Magnesium is a powerful daily magnesium supplement with amino acids and trace minerals that propel memory, mood, brain function, stress response, nerve and muscle health, and sleep. As always, all of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by Jonathan, an independent farmer in his farm in Paonia, Colorado, with his family. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. They're chock full of premium CBD and a full spectrum of active cannabinoids. They have full transparency. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process all right there on their site. They have five-star reviews, work with medical professionals. So check them out if you'd like to conquer sleep with Ned's Dream Set. Battleline listeners get 15% off with the code BATTLELINE. Go to helloned.com slash battleline 
or enter the code BATTLELINE at checkout. We're going to have the guys on from Ned next month, uh, Rhett and Adrian, and we can talk more in depth about CBD. We've been getting great feedback from listeners. So go there now, guys. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash BATTLELINE to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Also, this show is sponsored by BioPro Plus. If you're 35 and older, you're really going to want to check this out. If you're currently feeling like you're lacking that primal motivation, drive, and energy you used to, if you want more out of life and to improve your performance in the gym and the bedroom, here's the deal. Every year after puberty, your growth hormone decreases, sometimes by 50% by the age of 35, and it only keeps going down from there. It doesn't matter how in shape you are or how good your diet is. It's happening to all of us. That's where BioPro Plus comes in. BioPro Plus is the first of its kind. It's 100% non-synthetic, and it's an alternative to prescription HGH growth hormone treatments. It immediately replaces what your body is no longer getting. And it does it naturally, without the needles, no nasty side effects, or expensive cost of the typical synthetic growth hormone treatment. So if you want to fix your performance in the gym, bedroom, and chronic fatigue and pain, or even just how you look in the mirror, check it out. You're seeing oh, all yeah. the effects. You've been on it now for a month. I've ago, almost so. almost two now, two months. Guys, it, it is wow. tremendous. It's worked wonders. And uh, you know, those that don't know, back in college, and quick quick story, right quick, I, I sold steroids. I did steroids a long time ago and synthetics. And when HGH was just first coming out, I can tell you, it, it does have some positive positive effects in the beginning, but those effects at the end are not worth it. So going to something that's natural and is a great substitute, a positive substitute to HGH or any synthetic is a must, especially if you want to have longevity in your careers as far as just exercise or if you still like to run or, or compete, go to something like BioPro Plus that is much better for your body. And it does work similar to an HGH. It does, but it's non-synthetic and it's manufactured in the US. It's natural. And guys, it does work tremendous. I've had I've, I've tremendous results from it, just not only uh, in the workout room, in the uh, out running, in the bedroom with Mrs. Tonto, which she hates me talking about, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> uh, but also, again, emotional mind state. Getting back to that healthy person also affects your mind state and makes me happier person mentally and emotionally every day. So uh, tremendous. And I know it may look a little expensive, but comparison to what HGH costs, guys, it is nothing compared to that. It, it is it is very inexpensive. Uh, and they give us a great discount to you. So perfect stuff. It's great yep. stuff. Definitely recommend it. Yes, they do give us a great discount, so I'll throw that out right now. It's bioproteintech.com, and listeners, while supplies last, get $30 off by using Battleline at checkout. Bioproteintech.com, $30 off when you use the code Battleline at checkout. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. 
Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on. Joining us for the second time on the podcast is Matt Waters, medically retired second ranger battalion, combat veteran, current police EOD and bomb disposal. Uh, Also very involved with the nonprofit Homes for Our Troops, which is at HFOTUSA.org. Last time you were back on was episode 39, which is about two years ago, so it's it's wild. I'm wondering, uh, and I think the audience is wondering, what have you been up to? What's been happening the past two years? And I know you've been working overnight, which sounds like it's been brutal. It is, man. Um, uh, in fact, last night at work, I listened to the uh, previous <clears throat> uh, podcast just so I could, you know, figure out where we left off, and uh, that way I wouldn't talk about anything we talked about before. We could touch on it. Um, yeah, a lot has changed in the two years that we sat down together and talked. I actually retired from my police department in coma. Um, one of the harder decisions I made in my life. Um, but uh, uh, we moved all the way across the country, Georgia. Lots better. Lots better over there, dude. It is. It is. Um, there's multiple reasons why I left my police department. Um well, part of it was the West Coast. The West Coast is, um, it's, uh, yeah, I was, they've lost their minds uh, to a degree. Uh, I know you guys just had Greg Anderson on and um, it's, it's hard out there uh, to be a cop. It's hard out there. It's hard to live out there right now. Um, there's plenty of good spots to live, but my, my family and I, we sat down and we made the choice to uh, get out of there. And yeah, move moved to Georgia. In fact, Chris knows this. I mean, shoot, we stayed in his house on our way. Uh, on our <laughs> and way they east. trashed it. There was old Milwaukee and Bush Light cans all over the place, man. What yep. the hell? Yep. And <laughs> yep. Oh, totally. And you know, Chris uh, let us use his house, and uh, he has the softest underwear. Thanks for letting me use your underwear. <laughs> You're uh, welcome. Dude. I wish they were a sponsor. Dude, then, then you know, don't don't, don't hate the Calvins. I look better at Calvins than Marky Mark, and now you know that they also feel better on your scrote. I mean, yep. on your midsection. Yeah. Actually, I can't. What did I say? Yeah. Uh, your well, toothbrush. <laughs> thanks for letting me borrow your toothbrush. You're I welcome. hope you know dry by the time you got there. I know. I thought it tasted a little. Chocolatey. I don't know where you've stuck it. Yeah. Or just, uh, <laughs> Why you would, you know, tr- uh, after all the shenanigans that some of we, uh, some of us have pulled on each other in the past, you know, um, you probably were like, okay. I, no, I didn't even safe. sniff it. I got one of those Philips Sonicare ones. I went and bought a new, a new head. I didn't even try it. I was like, nope, I'm done. Throw this in the trash. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting on a new, yeah. a new Philips Sonicare head to this thing. They're, they're, Hey, Matt, you know, you know what I wanted to ask you, though, because when you're saying that they've lost their mind on the West Coast, then we had Greg Anderson on. I mean, I think everybody's heard that and just in generalities. But as someone who like actually sure. experienced yeah. it, like what does that mean specifically to you that they've lost their mind? Um, they're passing policies out there that they're 
even if they roll them back, you're talking it's going to take 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, even longer than that to um, undo the damage that they've done with some of the policies they've passed out there. Um, and I'm speaking specifically right now towards like some of the stuff they've done with law enforcement. And that was another thing that drove me out um, at my department, or I should say out of the West Coast, because um, uh, at my department, I took a training officer gig. I was the advanced training officer at my department. And the the state was having us teach stuff that I just did not agree with. Um, one of the things they had passed was House Bill 1310. And it was permissible uses of force by law enforcement. So the state was deciding what was allowed for law enforcement uh, to use for um force in their enforcement duties. And it was something that you've got folks that have never even been in a fight in their life, um, never even been in an argument deciding what cops are going to do to use force, you know, and for Chris, this is something like you'd have somebody decide maybe uh, trying to paint a picture that, you know, um, other folks might understand. It's, you got, um, like in the military, if you had somebody deciding what force um, rangers were going to use or special forces or our pilots or whoever, you know, you guys are only allowed to use this force. But this person has yeah. never been in combat. They've never trained. They're not they're not in the military. They have no sense of what it takes, you know, what using force like that takes, um, how to do it properly. They're just going to say, well, that looks bad. Um, you guys don't get to do this. or You guys, you have to do it this way. Um, one of the so are bills, they, are they still the just, so, no, go ahead, Matt, Matt, go ahead. I'm, there's a delay a little bit. I no, no, think, ask your question, question, man, question I get sidetracked easy. So ask your question. No, so are, are, are they just basing on these guys get out of the Academy and then force, there's no force escalation. There's no, there's no, as far as just training at the Academy, there's nothing advanced after that. So when they're applying force, I guess what are their limits and when does the police officer get blamed, even though they're not properly trained to, to address just even physically address the situation, but also even mentally and emotionally when to do that force escalation. When do we, okay, let's try to talk this out for, you know, as I've taught to talk this out first. Okay. Now it's yeah. getting a little bit more aggressive. We're getting a little more and until eventually you go hands-on or is it, Hey, you guys go hands-on, even though you don't know what the hell you're doing. Uh, and, and not doing that escalation process. And then if you do, you're, you're screwed and you're, you're viable in a court of law that, uh, that hey, you shouldn't have touched that person, uh, even though you weren't yeah. properly, properly trained to, to address the situation in the first place. That's definitely part of it. It's, it's extremely vast. Again, it's kind of like when I was talking about, you know, it's 10 or 15 years down the road, some of these uh, policies are affecting, you know, life down the road. And that's part of it because they were telling us um, – they were changing things within the academy as well. I mean, this, this thing that this bill that was um, enacted was vast. Um, so you were actually getting cops in the academy or, you know, uh, these kids in the academy that um, they didn't allow them to take um, uh, de Well, no, no, they're doing de-escalation. What am I trying to say here? They were not uh, fights. They're not letting these guys um, fight in the academy. They're taking that out. So all the physical They're taking the actual hands, all the, wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Dude. Um, oh crap. Now, uh, 
we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Twenty-one plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Ten dollars first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. We've always done de-escalation. Uh, de-escalation is a great tool to have in your bag uh, as a cop. It's a great de-escalation. Uh, it's a great tool to have for anybody. You know, if you're a parent, you de-escalate. Um, I have no problems with de-escalation whatsoever. Where I have a problem with is what do, what do you do when de-escalation is done? When there's no, no, no further, that person on the street decides, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm going to fight you. What happens when that person decides I'm not being taken into custody, I'm going to fight you. And you have cops that don't have the skills to do that. Right. I don't know how to take someone into custody that yeah. doesn't want to be taken into custody. Um, that was so part do, of it. So do, depart, so do departments then, are, do you believe that the department should have, the various departments should have the control of, of the training, of the combative training? I, I, you know, that's, and that's the civilian way of calling. I know the police are not going to call it combative training. But your, your, your uh, hands-on training, or should it be a federal program? That, I, mean, I don't think the federal should, should be no, involved. The academy, anything, to be honest the academy should have never but, gotten away. It's kind of like basic training, right? Um, they should have given a baseline of um, cops are potentially going to do this. We're going to give you the basics, but then it's up to your departments to you know continue the training. Gotcha. The academy just flat yeah, yeah. said, we're not teaching this anymore. And my belief is, and again, this is my opinion, is the academy and the state didn't want that liability. Well, if we don't teach it, you know, we can't, they can't come back to us and say, well, you guys taught this. So, you know, we're, we're going to sue you too. Um, so they're just going away from using force like that. Part of the bill was, um, no military surplus equipment, right? You know, you, the, hmm. you get these people that think all the departments are rolling around in MRAPs, right? These very <laughs> big armored vehicles and we're just plowing through homes and, um, it's big and scary. So we're getting rid of that. Um, we don't want cops to have any of that stuff. And it's like, well, that was few and far between. But the way they wrote the bill was, um, you guys can't have anything over a 50 caliber um, piece of equipment, right? No 50 caliber rounds out there. Like, we're all running around with mod deuces on our MRAPs, you know, going to these calls, right? <laughs> going to your burglary call, the mod deuce machine gun on there. But what that did was, they again, they, they picked... It sounds like they almost picked a number and said, you guys can't use this because it's scary. No 50 caliber machine guns, no sniper rifles. Well, we had just picked up uh, at my old department the 40 millimeter launchers. Now, 40 millimeter launchers in the military, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, you're using HEDP, HE rounds. You don't have that on the <laughs> civilian side. The only thing we had that thing for 
non-lethal force, the beanbag rounds, the foam rounds. Sure. You know, so you come to a subject that's suicidal with a knife, you know, and he's holding that knife up to himself. You could have launched a foam round right into him, you know, and potentially ended that. Um, I think that's probably a bad example because he's got a knife that's lethal. That could be potential lethal force. But there was a, I remember one incident where a guy, um, actually he was armed with a knife underneath a car and he wasn't coming out. So the guys got the 40 millimeter out and launched a couple foam rounds into him. He's like, Oh, okay. Okay. I'm done. But that got taken away because it was greater than 50 caliber. And but that, yeah. that doesn't, you know what I, you know what I wanted to ask you about? And, and I'm sorry. I just wanted to throw out there in terms of that. Cause you, you have my, you know, have me thinking about other things now. Um, when you talked about the MRAPs and the MRAP vehicles, like, there's definitely a lot of different perspective on like something that aggressive. Um, and the example I could think of is, is we had on the show. Uh, wow. Why am I drawing a, a blank here? Uh, Green Beret. Which, which <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't, I can't. Wow. I'm, I'm losing my, my uh, train of thought here. It'll come to me. But anyway, he's, he's a little bit like he's openly a little bit more left wing than your average, like special ops guy. And I remember when I was doing soft rep radio with him, you know, way back, that was during the Baltimore rioting and not the Baltimore rioting after the George Floyd situation. I'm talking about, you know, probably seven years ago or so. And I remember him as a Green Beret was saying, in his opinion, he was saying there's no time that the police department should be riding around in MRAP vehicles. Would, would you agree with that or? Yeah, I mean, and to a degree, um, the, the thing about like the MRAP vehicles that, you know, departments were getting these, they were getting them from. I don't know if it was DRMO, which I even forget which DMRO stands for. Uh, Chris, you might remember, but they were getting deals on these yeah. because you see a lot of your SWAT teams. If you watch the show, is it SWAT or SWAT team? By the way, I just so remember it's it was Derek Gannon. I just googled Derek Gannon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, Keep going. I apologize. <laughs> you'll see. You'll see different type of armored vehicles that SWAT team has. And I was, that's what I was going to. There's a, I forget what network it's on. They have uh, the show SWAT team and they have armored vehicles. You know, um, there is a need for like SWAT teams um, and whatnot to have an armored vehicle. Cause there are some threats out there. Like if you think an armed subject or an armed barricaded subject and you yeah. know, they have whatever, whatever rifle system or whatever weapon system, that's a great piece of armor. It's only used for, it's not assaulting, it's more defensive, and how close can we get? You know, it's got a, a, a loudspeaker on it, you can actually do negotiations through that. Um, hell, uh, one of the last things I did on my department with the, um, our EOD robot is we negotiated, we drove the robot up to the guy's house, uh, I think he was in a garage, um, and negotiated through the robot. And now that's a robot that you can attach explosives to. That's a robot that you can use to um, interrogate a device. Um, you know, not typically something you'd use it for, but you can even use it in that aspect. Um, so I think in some cases, yeah, you can absolutely use armor um, as a police department. I think, uh, I think it gets a bad uh, rap. You know, because people look at it or somebody might somewhere might have misused it, but that doesn't mean you need to do away with it. Now, it's, it's always better to have than have not. And you're right. It's, it's the department right. and the person at the department that 
needs to be smart, the leaders to know when to apply that. But, but I agree with you. I mean, do you want need somebody on the news riding around that thing during the riots? No, but do you need it when I get the barricaded subject? I get I get sure. the, you need to give your your guys the best chance to go home. And and if you have right. a barricaded right. subject in the house with a high high powered rifle or body armor, or maybe he has his own 40 millimeter with good with the blow up rounds in it, with the HE rounds in it. Sure. You need something like that. Um, I know I, I, you know, you're going through that stuff, brother. And, and the, I call them the smart kids. We had those in the CIA all the time. We had those, the smart kids that just, just knew more because they had read about it more and had never been anything, but had read about it. And you kind of, you have to deal with it and you just do the best that you can with it. So what, what were guys, I mean, guys, okay. they're jumping, they're, they're maybe going to different departments or they're just quitting and finding other jobs or we're, what was the morale like? What was, yeah, I, I have an it's idea, awful. but it's, it's still awful. Um, and then again, that's one of the reasons why I left, you know, um, things were just not great out there. In fact, to even keep going on the road of, uh, some of the policies that they, uh, enacted, you were kind of hitting around it, Chris, where it was like, um, use of force. Like, did they not define it? Did they not do this, that, or the other? And, Part of it was um, they said that we, in order to use force, you had to have probable cause for that person's arrest. Now, the, the problem was is they never said what force was. Washington State said um, you have to have probable cause to use force. Well, you know, that got rid of what we call Terry stops um, because what the state said is we're not going to define what use of force is or what force is. That's up for each department to do it. And then we, the state said, we have one year from today's date to put a model um, policy in effect. But you guys have to have a policy uh, regarding this right now. But whatever force means, well, that's up to you guys. And every department kind of started doing something different. And what they did, a lot of them were, well, using force is... If I stop someone's movement, well, Chris, if you, if I think, you know, you were involved in a crime, you know, it's late at night or you fit the description of somebody, you know, that just, yeah. um, stole a car, you know, or was prowling a car. Um, I had the ability to go over there and detain you and figure out who you were. If you were in the area now, I couldn't just go some random subject. If it was a, a black male, sure. um, yeah. And the description was a white male. I'm not going to go hem up that black male, right? You have to have, you know, um, um, basically reasonable suspicion. Or, you've got to, you, yeah, you've got to fit the, you've got to fit the description, right? So I'm looking at my face here. Sorry, my camera froze. Am I still good here? You're, you're good. We're <laughs> you're, you're ugly, dude. But that's just okay. how your your face is. There's nothing you can do about that, man. <laughs> no, you off. are the sexiest. Um, you're the sexiest ginger still I've ever met. You're, you are just so. Luke Ryan is gonna <laughs> be pissed off. You said that, right? Yeah, you might have to tell to pay over that. Um, <laughs> so you just can't go jacking up people that you know didn't fit the description, right? So if the description was you, I could go put hands on you and detain you and figure out who you are, what you were doing, you know, um, uh, within that area, and. The state said, no, you have to have probable cause to do that. And departments started going, well, if I grab somebody, that's using force. If I put handcuffs on somebody, 
that's using force. And that's where they took it. And um, it's, it's absolutely nuts. Um, I remember hearing about there was a, a shooting in a parking lot. It ended up being a homicide. And they could not put the dog out to search for this guy because they only had a description. They didn't have probable cause for someone's arrest. They couldn't put the dog out to track him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, well, it, it, you're, you're setting guys up for failure. You're setting them up for, and for failure, you're not failure that they're going to lose their job, failure that they're not going to come home at, at night. And I, 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 that, that, that's, that pisses me off a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, that's, really. that's a little the, bit, a lot. That's the, a lot. That's the really tough side of it. Um, but more what's happening is just the allowance <laughs> of crime. Sure. You know, um, the criminals are just taking, advantage of this they're taking it and running i mean the crime up in in tacoma right now is through the roof um homeless uh is through the roof drugs are through the roof it is um mental health my god it's yeah in fact there's a uh, there was a page and i think a lot of people did i say a lot of people i think maybe city leadership did something to get this done there was a instagram page called tacoma looks like shit and it was basically people <laughs> It was, uh, I don't know who ran it, uh, but it was basically people having all their problems and sending their videos, their photos into this person and they put them on their page and it shows exactly what's happening out on the streets of, for our citizens. And it's awful. I mean, you'll have, you'll have 250, $400,000 homes and condos in Tacoma and you'll have a homeless village right outside. You know, you'll have all these. Yeah, it's a lot like. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing that in L.A. You see that. Oh, yeah. You know what? I was going to compare it to myself. You know, I'm here in Connecticut right now. But like at the height of the pandemic, there were times I was in New York City where there was things were definitely kind of crazy. And the thing that I noticed was always commuting back and forth to Penn Station for however many, like eight, nine years of my life. There was always a heavy police presence. If anything was getting a little out of hand. You did see police take matters into their hands. Um, at the, at that time, 2020, 2021, I just noticed the police weren't doing much. I, there was always been a homeless problem, especially under de Blasio. But I noticed the homeless were a lot more um, aggressive and mm-hmm. they just run up and grab you. I, I saw that happen with myself. They were just a lot more aggressive in their approach because yeah. I think the attitude of police officers was if you're not going to let us do our jobs, then we're really not going to do much. And you know, although you always hear about like muggings on the train station and that type of thing, I never knew anyone it personally happened to. And I don't think it's just coincidence that during that time, Dave Park, who we've had on the show, retired Marine, uh, Army Ranger, was hit in the back of the head with a rock and be- and would have been beaten to death had he have not fought back. I don't think it's coincidence that it happened at that time, you know, and things are escalating in in police departments in cities. And, you know, it's one of those things I hate to always be, I hate to ever be a show that just like complains about this stuff. I really would. I think it's all about like finding solutions from guys who have been there and done it like yourself. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, um, I think the solution is, you know, um, vote with your feet type thing, you know, Um, and Chris touched on already. A lot of people are leaving. I mean, a, the morale is in the shitter uh, at a lot of police departments across this country, um, specifically on the West Coast as well. Um, <clears throat> and um, they're shorthanded because people are just done. They're like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I think back to my department. I mean, 
not only did I leave, and that was a tough decision to leave, is I've got a lot of buddies. I got a, a lot of buddies that are a lot of great cops, better cops than I ever was, that were like, I'm done too. Uh, one buddy took a job with, um, I think, the Veterans Administration. Uh, I think maybe even the, the police department, and he's going to go be a trainer for them. Um, another guy left and went to Wyoming, I think, um, to go to their police academy and teach. I mean, you see a lot of cops just like, this is ridiculous. I'm done. In fact, that last guy I talked about, he was one of our canine officers. Um, you know, people are just done. Uh, there were sergeants telling their um, squads when this stuff came out, they're like, hey, go out, handle your call, and then come back to the station and sit in the parking lot. Because if you're out there doing something proactive, it, and it's, it's horrible to say, but I understand. Um, they said, if you're out there doing something proactive, you're just putting yourself at risk. There's no backing. You go out there and you do your good crime fight and stuff and stop somebody and they complain, you, you're potentially facing, you know, getting fired. Um, and then not having the backing of the city or the department to say, well, yeah, they're out there trying to fight crime. They'd, they'd leave you out to dry. Well, it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword though. Cause if, if you're getting, you don't have the backing, so you're really not able to do your job like you should. And then you're having substandard candidates coming in, which, uh, or mm. they leave the Academy substandard, not because of the, because they're, they're maybe, I don't know, maybe some are physically substandard, some are not, but because you're not able to train them up to standard, it, it, it's a, it's a lose, lose situation. Cause now you're getting police, yeah. new police officers out there that, uh, that really shouldn't be out there, even if they were getting the good training, but they're not. And then they can't right. even do their job. So they're afraid to do anything as well. So it's just, it's like you're, 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 it's just like negative after negative after negative. And yeah. We try to keep the show positive, right. as hell, but I'm with Ian, like this right. is important. This is important. And you're a buddy, dude. So I, I really trust you in your most, you're the most honorable guy. I, one of the most honorable guys I've ever met. You're a mentor to me. So I, I, I really, you know, trust your opinion on this, but that's kind of the, what I'm hearing. And, and I've seen, I, I've known a few people that went in and became police officers that shouldn't have been and to hear, and I knew their training wasn't where it should be as I, yeah, I'm sure you know a lot more than I have, but I'll also know a lot more great police officers than I do. But is there, so there, there's really nothing to, I mean, if you can't get the, the people you want in because they don't want to work with for a, for an organization, then you're losing the senior guys, which I saw with the agency a lot. I saw that at the beginning where a lot of the good case officers were leaving because these kids were coming in and not doing what they should be doing. But then you're not able to train them even as well. Cause even, you know, from Ranger Battalion, you can take a lop of shit and still train them up to be fucking outstanding. <laughs> outstanding. Of course. Yeah. Training. No, you could take, you know, that you, and you could take that person that wasn't so great and mold them through great training. Right. I think we've all benefited from that. Um, and one thing I wanted to say about like the police Academy is, they were getting, they were lowering the physical standards, like um, the run. They got rid of the run, and you would do push-ups and sit-ups, which the amount you do is is laughable anyway. Um, but they got rid of the run, and instead they were doing squat thrusts. And I'm like, what? I heard this, you know. And when I was with Tacoma, um, you know, I would just sit there and I'm. You know, you do, you know, your deep breaths and you grab your hair. Like, I swear to God, I was going bald. Probably still am. Um, okay. But just like run your fingers through your hair and you want to pull your hair out because you're like, okay, what are you, you're going to squat thrust after someone down the street. They just bail out of that, scold, <laughs> that stolen car. You're going to squat thrust after them. 
I mean, some of these things you're like, no, you're going to get, you're going to take your happy ass and you're going to go run after that suspect. You know, it's like, why would you get rid of the run? And running, you, you know, from range of baton, running is just a gut check more than anything else. If somebody doesn't quits during a run, a mile run, two mile run, it, there's something mentally, there's some mental toughness that's not there that you have to find. <clears throat> running is just as mental. And, and I, yeah. I don't think you, you enjoyed running. I don't remember you being one. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Were you, I don't, were you one no. that enjoyed the running at range of baton? No. Like, I ran because I had to. <laughs> No, but no, I, I was not like, yay. I mean, I know physical activity makes you feel good, but running was just like, all right, let's just do this and get it over with. Especially yeah, when you had squad leaders like, let's go on a PMAX oh, yeah. run. And you're like, oh, God, I hate you. Dude, come on. That was awesome. That shit was, uh, uh, I love it. Was that not, shit, dude. Running a PMAX. It was so fun. And no, it was not. It was, it was, it was, <laughs> It, it was it was good. At the end of it, you felt like you okay. I'm just trying. I'm trying to be positive here in this negative. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sunshine around. Okay. Got it. <laughs> it's always. Uh, yeah. So, so when, when you le- long story ahead, short ahead, on ahead, that ahead, is there's there's multiple reasons why I left um, policies like that, and it was just it's a death of a thousand cuts. Um, so many good cops out there. Uh, great departments, but with these policies and, you know, how they were treating cops and what they were just doing to our cities because of the lack of enforcement now and these laws was, it was just time to go. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to like keep dumping on, uh, you know, beating a dead horse. Cause I know you guys talked about it when, uh, Greg was on. Um, but you're right. It is, people need to hear it. It's, it's hard. It's bad. In fact, uh, like I said, that Tacoma looks like shit page got shut down. But if folks are interested, there's another one called Seattle Looks Like Shit. Um, and <laughs> it shows, like when I moved to Georgia, I started telling people about how bad it was on the West Coast. And I'm like, go and look at this page. And like the next day, like one of the ladies I work with now, she's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's nuts out there um, because it shows what's actually happening. You know, there's no news media that can. Uh, blow over it and say, well, you know, we're not going to show that. It shows a live, um, in-your-face view of what citizens are putting up with in, in these towns and in these cities. It's, and it's well, disgusting. And, I mean, and the policies caps. for these cities, the policies for these cities then go into the rest of the state. And like I've said before on the podcast, like we don't really have, I know there's a whole thing of like blue states, red states, but if people really look at the electoral map, it's blue cities and it's very liberal policies in cities, but the, Correct. but the state surrounding these cities, they usually don't agree with these policies, but they end up having to deal with them anyway, because of right. who the governors are in these states and the population being heavily dense in the cities. So. Right. Yeah. That's uh my God, we've put up with that in Washington. Washington is a great state. Uh, there's great people in that state, but we were saying, and it was true, whatever Seattle wanted, Washington got. Or whatever yeah. King County wanted, um, Washington got. Um, you know, heavily populated areas that thought alike. And if Seattle thought it was a great idea, Washington State got it. And that's where you see a lot of this crazy stuff coming from. Um, I know here in Georgia, Atlanta's getting that way. You know, if my wife and I were talking about that, if Atlanta wants it, Georgia might be getting it. And if you look at these major metropolitan areas, yeah, they're they're heavily blue if you will um but whatever these major metropolitans want they're driving what the state does 
Yeah, that's that can't. That's that's we got to try to fix that somehow. I I don't know. Probably won't be fixed in my lifetime, but it needs to be. Yeah. Um. So you you got to Georgia. What's what's the difference? And I've seen, man, I've seen the pictures of where you're at. It just looks gorgeous out there, man. It I mean, is beautiful. But what? Yeah, and we can talk about the department, the differences. We get into that, but also just just the life, just just the lifestyle. And I love Georgia. Yeah. I more than anything, especially down well, even North Georgia, even then down by Benning. But what's you know what's going on down there, man? What are you doing? And, and how is it? And you know, talk about a little bit if there are some differences without getting into trouble because. Are you the new guy right now? Are you the new guy again? We're always yeah, the I'm, fucking new guy. I'm the rookie. I'm the rookie, <laughs> the, man. See, I, uh, I, 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 like, who said, would we say on the, on with the, with, with Dutch, we're always the new guy. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're always the right, fucking yeah. new guy. But the, how's, yeah. the, how's, what's the differences in the department in, in, as far as, because it looks like you're happier. And then just, just in itself, like, yeah. how is it down there? Well, what's going on? You know, the, my life? attention, great, man. Life is great. Um, you know, um, my intention was when I left law enforcement, I told this to a lot of folks up there. I was like, no, I'm done doing law enforcement. Um, I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. Um, just because it puts you in a certain frame of mind. Um, you know, I don't want to say you're always dealing with the bad, but that's a large portion of it. You're dealing with, um, calls Your your daily life is when people's lives are falling apart. Um, you're going to those calls and you're, you're fighting through it, not physically, you know, but, uh, you're fighting through these calls and people seeing people's lives fall apart is hard on you. Um, and it was just a thing that I didn't want to be a part of anymore. Um, just for my own mental health, you know, my own physical health, because it was stressing me out. So I said I was going to be done with law enforcement and I was okay with teaching it. So I put in for, um, they have the federal law enforcement training center down here in Brunswick. Okay. And, I put in, oh, six, seven, eight applications with them. And I was like, okay, well, we'll move down there and I'll find something. I was confident. Plus, I had my, you know, my um, my military retirement. I was like, we'll be okay if I don't have a job, we'll be able to live. Well, and then it got to the point, it's like, yeah, I'm 43. Um, I still need to work. I want to work. I want to be contributing to something. I was a damn good cop and I thought, I can go teach that. So, I put in for these uh, training spots specifically with Fletzy and nothing was moving. Um, so then we moved from, um, central Georgia, uh, to our place out here on the coast, which is just up the road from Fletzy. And I was like, I got to do something. Well, unfortunately, um, I'm a victim of my own circumstances where it was, I never went out and got uh, a college degree. You know, I was a, I was a bomb tech. I had explosive handles license. I could, you know, go and handle any bomb call you had. But when you retire, it's like, how do I make those skills? You know, how do I make those skills into yeah. a new job? And I, you can't, I thought you can't that go I work at gonna, the Piggly Wiggly or something. You can't go do Piggly Wiggly <laughs> stuff I thought about it. I tell you at, what. at the hinky dinky or something. <laughs> well, it got to the point where I was looking at any job and I was like, man, I could go, maybe I can go get my CDL and drive. Um, Maybe I can do loss prevention for Home Depot. You know, I started grasping at anything I could do just to have a job because my problem was, is like I lost my passion and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Um, so, um, I'm in this town here. I'm in, uh, Darien, Georgia and small town, great town. And they have a, uh, small police department here 
and I got to know the chief. They have this coffee with a cop uh, every month at the, the coffee shop here. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I, it's time to start networking and meeting people. You can't just sit on your couch and apply for jobs. You know, it's, um, I was thinking about this last night. It's not about what you know sometimes. It's who you know. Yeah. Right? So I started networking. Sure. And that chief here um, called the chief down at, uh, and that's where I'm at now, is the College of Coastal Georgia Police Department. They got their own police department. Oh, cool. It's like 14 yeah. officers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are awesome, man. Yeah. And uh, he got me that job. He got me the interview. He called down there. He's like, hey, I got this guy. I want you to check out. You know, why don't you give him a look? So that's how that this job panned out. And it's a great job. Um, it's a completely different style of police work, which I think helped sell me on it. Um, I didn't want to get into, you know, work in the street again, going to domestics, watching, like I said, people's lives fall apart. Um, I was kind of just done with that style of law enforcement. Well, working at a college is more, yeah, you're there for college safety. If you know, there's an active shooter or, you know, that type of thing, which ultimately is, I think is why we're there, but I'm not going to domestics. I'm not doing, you know, traffic stops and DUIs. It's more of community building, you know, community oriented, community oriented policing. Um, and I'd been a school cop when I was with Tacoma for five years. And I really like that. I really like that style of police work going out and engaging with the uh, community. Um, so that's why I'm at where I'm at. I can tell myself like, Hey, it's not, it's not the same style police work. It's completely different. It's not as dangerous. Um, and that I'm happy with it. And the nice thing is, is like you get education benefits. Um, if I'm there longer than six months, I can go to college for free anywhere in the state. When you talk about, um, you know, how you were possibly going to be a driver or do something at Home Depot, the, mm -hmm. the thing that I, I have to wonder, like the lives both you guys have lived, you know, the life you've lived in specifically, it's such a high adrenaline job, whether mm -hmm. it's disposing bombs, even, you know, your story of getting your leg blown off, like it is a high adrenaline job that, that I think a lot of you guys become addicted to. That's why we talk to guys who are contractors like Dale Comstock, who are, I don't know, like nearly <coughs> 60 years old or something, because like they, they love doing the job. Is it hard to find excitement in something that is like completely departure from what you did as an army ring? Of course. Of course. Um, in fact, they asked me that in, uh, in my, uh, my little hiring board I went to, you know, I walked in there and HR, the HR gal was in there. Um, and then the lieutenant and the chief for the police department. And they like flat asked me that. They're like, hey, it's not very exciting here. And they're looking at my resume and they're like, all right, ranger, uh, uh, cop for 17 years, bomb tech. And they're like, are you sure you want to be here type thing? You know, and uh, the thing about it is, you know, not that, you know, oh, I've lived that lifestyle. But that was part of it where it's like, hey, I've kind of done all that. Um and I don't want to keep running and gunning. That's not my goal anymore. In fact, last night I listened to our podcast, um, you know, from what, two years ago, just like yeah. I said earlier, so I'd be on point with some of the stuff we talked about. And I, I mentioned that, uh, or we talked about that, where it was like, at some point you have to realize, you know, you have to get away from that. Um, so, yeah, I was okay with doing that. Um, but there is that, there's always that part of you that is looking for that excitement. Um, or, you know, some exciting sure. aspect of your job. Um, I think for me, what can take the places that is, uh, fulfillment, you know, job, career fulfillment. What am I, 
what am I doing? You know, does it make a difference? You know, yeah. Um, does does this make me feel like I'm contributing in some way? I think that would definitely, for me, take the place of that excitement. Well, and I, I agree with you on that. There are guys that can't let go, and and oh, yeah. hey, that's fine. I know a lot of those guys that can't let go. Uh, but there is a point where, yeah, you can look back and say, you know, I, okay, I've, I've really, I've done what I wanted to do. I've done everything that I felt right. like I've needed to do. And I'm getting that excitement. You're right. Off of something else. Um, the possibility of excitement is still there with you. I mean, that's what I think probably helps you is that there's still that possibility. Not saying you want to get into it every day, like you did when you were 20, right. but there is, but you're right. That's I'm done. Let's, can I just, let's just relax now. <laughs> let's just enjoy. And yeah. you're, you're, you're a great father. You know, you, you post pictures of your family quite a bit. Um, does that help as well? I know it's helped me and it, it really, cause the fulfillment comes from Absolutely. being able to be at home. Ian can even tell you, I thought I was going to going to speak at an event this week. And I found out I forgot that I was home this whole week and I was ecstatic. I was like, Holy shit, I get to be home with the family for a whole yeah. week. And it, made my day. What, what's your feelings on that and how family can help, help guys with that fulfillment to, to, to close those chapters. Cause some of them, they do need to close them and move on. Just, it's still there. Yeah. Move, move yeah. on and start something different. Well, you know, and we touched on that last time too, just your support structure and uh, family's huge. Um, one thing I would tell guys that were <clears throat> uh, like those two guys I talked about earlier that left that apartment. Um, one of them really struggled with um, leaving, you know, cause you're leaving a, a good paying job. You're good at what you do. He really struggled with leaving and going and doing something else. Almost like you're abandoning ship, you know, like, Hey, sure. times are hard here, but I can still contribute. Um, but I told him, I was like, yeah, just because, you know, it's hard here doesn't mean you got to go down with the ship. You're not abandoning the ship. There's still good people here. They're still going to do good things, but you have to do right by you and your family. And I would tell him, I'm like, hey, someday when we're on our deathbeds, the department isn't going to be sitting here holding our hands. Even our buddies aren't going to be sitting here holding our hands, potentially. Who's going to be there? It's going to be your kids. You know, it's going to be your family sitting there walking you through, literally holding your hand through those tough times. You know, like I said, at your deathbed, It'll be your family there if you've done it right. Um, so take that into account is, yes, I know it's hard to leave, but the department's going to go on without you. No matter, you know, how you leave, you know, Chris, you and I were in Ranger Battalion. We left. It's still there. It's amazing. It's still there. <laughs> it's still you know? moving along. I, I, I think who, it may have, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was Kephart that said that. I don't, it was one of the commanders that just, that said, it was, or maybe it was even Rothke before we were going on the weekend. He's like, Hey, if you fuck up, doesn't make a difference to me. It's the Ranger Battalion is right. still going to roll in with or without you. We're still going to keep rolling. So right. uh, yeah, right. you're never, you're, you're, you're never not expendable. Hope you guys are enjoying this episode with Matt Waters. I certainly enjoyed having him on for a second time, all around great guy. Uh, we got in some police stuff, as you'll hear during this first half, and then we get into the Ranger School stuff, and he has some great stories. Um, yeah, you guys are going to dig them. But before we do, Photonist Defense is the global leader in night vision solutions, providing more high-quality night vision capabilities than anyone. Hunters, shooters, boaters, and outdoor enthusiasts rely on Photonist Defense systems to make their adventures safer and more successful. 
Military, law enforcement, and public safety end users utilize photonist defense solutions to give them the edge at night in tactical situations and rescue operations. They are now offering state-of-the-art night vision systems from the PD-Pro-B 16mm binocular and the PD-Pro-M 16mm monocular to the PD-Pro-Q panoramic night vision system. Customers from all over are excited about these new, smaller, lighter NVGs. You've got to see these things to really experience how much smaller and lighter they are than anything you've used previously. And uh, if you listen to our recent episode with Justin Sheehan, you'll see not only Army Rangers like Chris and contractors like Phil Otto there, but DevGrew, Navy SEAL, SEAL Team 6 guys like Justin Sheehan stand behind them. They're great. They're lighter, guys. They're, their clarity's better. Um, they're, the little technology pieces they have as far as the shutoff, shutoff of, uh, I don't know how you call them, shutoff valves, but <laughs> the, the ability for them to turn off and turn on when you're at different angles or to keep them on when you're at certain angles um, makes them second to none. I mean, if you're in charge of a SWAT team or attack team, these things are what's going to be best to put in your team's hands to bring them home at night, literally uh, and figuratively. But guys, and if you're a contractor or part of a government agency and you're using something else, you need to go and switch to Photonis and all of Photonis Defense's night vision. It's, it's, it's second to none. There's nothing even close out there. And again, it's not only been worn by myself, but Phil Otto, who was a Jiras contractor, and like I said, Justin No, who's a former dev group guy as well. So they've been tested and they've got the, the literally the seal of approval from Justin himself. Uh, but guys, there's nothing close to it. And if you're on the uh, civilian side, if you're a hunter, if you're a coyote hunter, you want to be able to see those things and they're fast at night. Believe me, out here in Kansas, they are. You have to have something that can keep up with it and the clarity. Again, it's, it, there's nothing compared. So check out Photonist Defense and they're backed by by veterans that work with the organization and then ones like myself that have been lucky enough to use them and try them and and wear them uh, quite extensively. Absolutely. I didn't even tell you this. I got a message from a listener who runs a small group of Border Patrol agents at the Mexico border. And he was like, hey, I'm, I'm looking for some night vision. Could you hook me up with the guys at Photonis? So, yeah, guys on Border Patrol are interested, too. Awesome. I'm sure they're going to be really yeah. happy with it. So yep. shout out to the Border Patrol. Love what you guys Definitely. are doing. It's, it's cool to hear that there's Border Patrol agents that listen to the show. Uh, that excites me for sure, guys who are, you know, doing things for our oh, country and, and listening to and us. And they need that. Getting inspiration. Oh, it is. And they, guys, I get to a photonist, check out their stuff. You guys are going to be blown <laughs> away. Hey, and stay safe out there, guys. God bless you all out there. A lot of my Ranger buddies went to photon, went to photons, went to the Border Patrol and their, their, uh, their, I, I can't remember now, their Border Tech, their TAC team, their Border Tech team. Those guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Those, the, you guys are badasses. Uh, keep it up. Keep the standards up there. And don't feel like you are not thanked in this great United States because you are. And I admire the hell out of you. But yeah. Hey, senior chiefs over there. Get those photonics and get those night vision, the photonics night vision in your guys' hands. And um, you're not going to go to anything else. Get to them. Do it. Get to them now. And enough said on my part. I'm going to stop. Running. Yeah, I, I echo all of that. So, yeah, photonistdefense.com for more information, P-H-O-T-O-N-I-S, defense.com. Or look for Photonist Defense product options from your night vision dealer. And, hey, we're talking night vision. We're talking guns. So let's talk about some of the best ammo out there. That's Fort Scott Munitions. They are a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper 
and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it will be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, Go to the dealer locator on the website. You're going to find a dealer right by you in every state. FortScottMunitions.com. Cannot wait to hang out with these guys the next few weeks and hang out with you. First time seeing you in person since January. Uh, So it'll be a good time, man. Uh, FortScottMunitions.com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline Podcast. And uh, with that, let's get right over to Matt Waters, and we're going to talk some Army Ranger stuff. Hey, brother, you know, what we, we didn't get into, I know we talked about this a little bit, but we got into no Ranger School stories with you. I, and I, I want to know at least a good Ranger School story. If you can remember, I know you're 58 oh, yeah. million years old, but can you remember back there <laughs> 30 years ago? Yeah, you're older than me. We, did, we well, didn't talk about Ranger School at all. Is, you're older than me, but, you know, shut on the a hell day up. like this. Shut your horror like mouth you. right now. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I, I t- on days like this, I look older than you because night shift is kicking my ass. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I do, yes, I am ten years older. Okay, I'm eight years older than Matt, and, and um, uh, yeah, he. Oh man, you look. I, I, don't you wish we were doing? That you were supposed to be our first video that we over have done too. Gosh, this <laughs> would have been awesome. What? I will put up some clips of it. Yeah. You were. We just, we, we could, we haven't had, we couldn't, we can't get, I, I, he, he, Ian knows the better than I do. We just can't get. Yeah. I just want to get an intro video done and all that. We're, we're, we're getting there, but yeah. Okay. Right. Luckily, luckily for you, this will be audio only in its entirety, but I'll have like okay. a nice little minute clip of the videos. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah Cause dude. again, I'm still looking at, you know, the three of us here and my face is still frozen from like 20 minutes ago. So every once in a while, oh, I look really? at it. It, it, it keeps throwing yeah. me off. No, we're good. We're good. All right. Great. So <laughs> I, when I thought the I don't camp know why. couldn't He's see me, and I'm over here like. You look good, dude. Um, so just I went just through one. Oh, well, that's hard. That's like when people say, you know, what's, okay. tell me some crazy cop stories. And you're like, I was, oh, my God. Okay, I was trying to so give you an out. I, I want every fucking ranger school story that you've ever had in your brain everyone we got 15 minutes go okay um i mean there's there's tons we know how do you choose one like that um there was remember chris uh, when you're going through ranger school um if you like once you're in the patrol base and once you if you get caught outside the patrol base like that is i don't even major minus or that is a fireable offense you know they kick you out of ranger school for that and uh um, I forget, I think I was just a regular Joe in the patrol base and, uh, or at that time on that mission in ranger school and, uh, Florida phase. So you're the culmination of three months in ranger school now, and you're just, you're skinny, you're hungry, you're tired, you know, you're irritable, you're everything. And I remember I was like, 
middle of the night. I'm like, all right, I got to go to the bathroom, go to the center of the, wherever you went to the bathroom. I can't remember. And, um, I get done doing my business and then I'm walking back to my position and I realize I'm nowhere near my position. I'm looking around. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see anything. Nothing is recognizable, right? Like the, like the running joke of, well, you just, you find a, a tree that you recognize and it's like, but they're all trees, you know? And <laughs> I'm looking around and I'm like, dude, I don't see fighting positions. I don't see rucksacks. I don't hear rangers snoring. I'm like, oh shit, I'm outside the patrol base, you know? So now my adrenaline's going, I'm starting to f- come to. And I'm like, dude, if I get caught, I'm screwed. And this is like the final phase. So I don't want to get caught. So now I'm like sneaking around the woods from like tree to tree, you know, walking around, listening. I must have walked for, you know, you're so tired. You don't know how long. It could have been hours for all I know. And I'm like, I'm going to get caught outside the patrol base and they're going to they're fire me. They're going to kick me out of ranger school. And then I'm going to get kicked out of ranger battalion because I got kicked out of ranger school. And I don't know how, but I ended up walking back into the patrol base by the grace of God. Um, you know, you just, there's one, that's kind of a lame story. No, that, um, that's the, the hallucinations. That, that's a, that's a great story. Cause I, I just, I agree. Dude, the, I remember getting lost trying to we were doing that recon and this was a Benning doing the recon, uh, uh, mission. And I was reconning something in Benning and then you're supposed to link up with the other recon team before you head back to the patrol base. And I didn't know how, I I know that you're just going to be shocking to you. I really wasn't good at shooting back azimuths to where my original positions were, but I didn't let anybody know that. So I I was like, ah, fuck it. I can walk. We'll find it. And you know, that feeling of when you're starting to walk back and you have to meet somebody in the woods at a particular point and you really don't know where you're going and the RI is right next to me and the, the feel on the back of your neck, like, holy shit, the panic that sets in. I can just oh, yeah. imagine that fucking panic when you just didn't know where you were at because you're like, oh shit. And, yep. and then, oh, yeah. then you, you end up linking up with the, but that, no, I do. I love that story. Cause it, to all you listeners out there, I don't care if you loved it or not. I loved it. Cause it reminded me of my own fucking, holy shit. I'm lost. I'm going to get kicked out of here. Oh, what do I do? God, please just take the wheel now and direct me where I need to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the hallucinations that I had a few of those, um, you know, you're walking through the woods and I forget which phase this was walking through the woods, you know, middle of the night, you're droning as you're walking along and, uh, you know how hungry you get. And I come to, you know, or at this point we're walking through the woods and I look down on the ground and, uh, the ground is covered in Tootsie Rolls. (laughs) I mean, as far as the eye could see. There's Tootsie Rolls. And I'm like, my prayers, have, uh, they've been answered. Because I prayed for Snickers to fall out of the sky in <laughs> mountains, and they never did. So here I'm walking around, and there's Tootsie Rolls everywhere. And this is how specific it was. It was a little smidgies. It wasn't the long ones or anything like that. It was the smidgies, right? And I'm like, oh, thank God. And I, I keep bending over to pick them up. And as I go to pick them up, they disappear. But... <laughs> You know, you, you bend over and it's gone. You're like, oh, dang it. And then <laughs> walk some more. And then there's all the Tootsie Rolls again. You're like, and it was like, it was like being a little kid or just, I was on this on repeat because I'd see it and I'd go, oh, that's awesome. And then I'd go to bend over and pick it up again. It'd be gone. And this went on, you know, I don't know how long, but uh, there was the Tootsie Rolls. Um, 
Wait, I here's what like- I'm wondering for both you guys in terms of that, if if I could ask. Um, because I've heard these stories too from like several rangers of of the hallucinations, and I'm sure you guys heard about it before it actually happened. Did you believe it would actually happen or in your head where you're like, nah, it's far fetched, it's not gonna happen to me? You first. Um yeah, probably that. You're like, no, nah, I'm strong enough. I'm, you know, I'm good enough. I'll be, what What was that from uh, Stuart Smalley? Like, I'm good enough. I'm smart oh, enough. Gosh darn it. People like gosh, me. People like yeah, me. Yeah, no. You definitely think your your ego, you're like, no, that's not going to happen to me. I thought it was bullshit. I thought the stories were just complete bullshit. Like, fuck, whatever. You're just trying to scare me. Until I saw, I, my, mine is the flying monkeys. I always tell people, I saw the Wizard of Oz Flying monkeys in the trees mm-hmm. everywhere it went, starting in mountain phase on to on to uh, on to Florida. And every every mission that we went on in Florida, I felt like we were on. Have you ever seen that Polly Shore movie where they're inside that big dome? Is it called Dome? Oh Bio- yeah, Biodome. Biodome. I, that's what every time we went out at night, it looked like to me. I thought we were in a, in a terrarium whenever we walked. Yeah. I was like, this this is the weirdest thing. This is so cool. I feel like I'm in a cartoon set. This is ter- this terrarium. All these. It, it, but yeah, the flying monkey scared the shit out of me in Mountain Face. Yeah, and you're not even on drugs. No, nah, you're just so fucking no. Tired. But the Tootsie you're Rolls, that, that is tired. awesome, dude. That's the best story I've heard. The Tootsie, because I could just see you too getting all upset as a little kid. Uh, fucking Opie yeah, Cunningham, yeah. Huh? I can just see it, yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just, just oh, when oh, I was when I was in mountains, I was the platoon sergeant on a mission, and uh, I think only leadership got night vision. Is that right? Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yep. So I was the platoon sergeant, and uh, we're walking through the woods. Again, you're so tired, and you know, you're just droning along, walking, and all of a sudden, you know, I look through my night vision, and I see, and you're in, up in the mountains, you know, Dahlonega, Georgia, yeah. you know, nowhere near anything, and all of a sudden, I see a curb and a sidewalk. And then a lamp, I'm looking up and I see a lamp post and I look down and I see businesses and here's this dude just walking down the sidewalk and he waves <laughs> at me and I wave back, you know, and I hear this voice behind me going, Ranger, what the hell are you doing? And it was the RI behind me. And here I am just, you know, waving at nothing in, in the woods. And I'm like, and you come to and you're like, He's like what are you doing? I'm like, uh, stretching. <laughs> that's uh, hilarious fell, i fell yeah, asleep standing up in a river in florida oh no wow. no shit yeah i've never done yeah. that before i almost fell into the river off the zodiac in florida i my the, mm-hmm. my buddy caught me i was just sitting there just but i never yeah, yeah that, uh, that's pretty fucking tired dude that is <clears throat> well and oh like a total shitbag moment too you know if you think about it on the grand scale of life and limb because i was a near side lifeguard on a uh, rope bridge across the river, and I fell asleep go. standing in, standing in waist deep water, right? And I'm supposed to be counting people across the across the river, and uh, you know I'm counting. I'm like one, two, and out I go. And then you know I wonder if you I, if you piss yourself if you're waist deep in water. I probably did. You know, I mean. Who knows? <laughs> what, what, what the what the RI? What do you say to you? Or did he catch it? Oh, well, you know, RI being a good RI, you know, is making sure that Ranger, you know, student is doing his job. He's back there counting too, you know. And how this happened, I have no idea. For all I know, I even imagined this. But you know, I'm counting and I fall asleep and I doze off. And he goes, "How many is that Ranger?" I'm like, four. And he's like, "Okay, good job." And I'm like, 
my god. You know, and then you get that you get that panic thing, right, Chris? You know, you're you're panicking oh, yeah. beating through your chest. And you're like, okay, I'm awake now. You know, five, six, <laughs> and out I go again. How many is that uh, seven. Good job. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Oh man, that is so so spot. I love this, man. I do. I love that. That's just, that's hilarious shit, dude. I, I, yeah, you know, so I think just the water. Whenever I, I don't know with you, with me, with waters. Whenever I was around, not with waters, Matt, not with Sergeant Waters, but whenever I was in water, I don't know if it was just the the, the rushing. I, I would fall asleep. It didn't matter if I was near it or it stood for a sure. second. That's why whenever we did Zodiac missions. I would always almost fall asleep and I'd fall off the boat. I'd have to tell the, my buddy, hey, watch me, dude, because I'm probably going to fall asleep. Mm. You're going to have to grab me because I'm going to fall off the edge. I don't know what that was. It must have just been the rushing, soothing sounds of the of the water. I don't know what it was. I want to make sure that we we get into this. and I, I think we touched on it a little bit the first episode. I mean, we, we got into your actual accident, losing your mm-hmm. leg in combat. Um, which, you know, the, the trauma of it and the fact that you're still a positive person, the fact that you still have all these goals. I I mean, we try to be inspirational on the show and I'm sure there's people out there going through something that's probably nothing in comparison to that, but to their world, it might be everything. And, and, you know, when we have guys on like Mike Schlitz who similar things, you know, lost both arms in combat, severely burned. And the fact that he did have a phase where he said, I didn't want to be here anymore, but still manages to stay positive. Like, what do you tell people going through that time, like the time that you went through or just any event in their life where they feel like, I don't think things are worth being here for anymore? Yeah. Um, you know, and I'd get something along those lines uh, at the department, you know, or in life. People say, you know, they'll start complaining about something. They'll say, oh, you know, I'm going through this tough time. And then they'll look at me and they go, oh, you know, but it's nothing like what you went through. And I was like, stop doing that to yourself. First of all, that's not fair to you to compare what someone else is going through and what you think is a tough time and, you know, kind of downplaying what's happened to you. I said, um, problems are unique to each person and how they handle them. Like there's something else that someone might be going through and I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know how they're doing it. So don't, um, don't downplay what's um, going on in your life and happening to you because you look at someone else and go, well, they've had it worse. And I get that. I've done that, but, uh, you know, definitely, look to to yourself for how strong you are. Um, people are stronger than they think. So I'll tell them, I'm like, no, you're, you're going through, you're going through something. Don't, don't kiss it off like that. That, that you're, what you're going through is hard. Um, and no, I'm glad you brought that up, Ian. Cause, um, even like right now, I was listening to the other podcast the other day and I was having a leg issue and funny enough, I'm sitting here right now and I'm having another leg issue. Um, and it totally affects, you know, obviously it affects me physically, but mentally, um, when I can't wear my leg or my leg hurts, you know, I really start doubting myself and some of the choices I've made, um, you know, where I'm going in life and how to put up with it. I mean, that, that mental game is hard. Um, you know, I hate having issues with my leg because I feel like less of a person, you know, I feel like I can't do what I'm supposed to do or what I've signed up to do. And that's one thing working for this department is I'm very happy to be working for this department, but I'm also, I'm still scared for myself because, um, right now I'm in a job or a line of work where me working is dependent upon the health of my leg, right? I'm not in a job where, um, I 
you know, if I, I can't wear my leg to work, I can still work. No, 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 no. I'm still in a job where if I can't wear my leg, um, I can't work. I can't do what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's a tough pill to swallow. And that was a one thing I was really happy to get away from when I first retired. I was like, good. Now I can find something where the health of my limb doesn't depend um, on me working. Um, so I'm still in that mindset right now of, okay, I need to be looking for something else. As, as grateful as I am to be working for this department, I can't put that much pressure on myself um, because it beats me up. Like I've signed on to do this. And if I can't work, um, I'm letting people down, which I know I'm not. Um, but that doesn't stop me from feeling that way. Um, that is probably one of the hardest things about this injury is you can overcome the physical stuff. It's the mental stuff that will beat you down. Um, and on that note, one thing I am finally doing is going out and getting my degree. Um, I'm actually looking at getting into maybe cyber defense or, you know, something like that where, you know, yeah, I can, I can work from home if need be. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, going through those tough times. One, it's, it's definitely made me a better person. I think the good thing about being a cop and this injury is it made me a better made me a better person that made me a better police officer because I realized that I could roll into situations and when I see people struggling, I could absolutely say, hey, I've been where you're at. And to me, that adds a lot of credibility. You know, um, I've been suicidal, right? And rolling into a situation where somebody, um, somebody's going through that, they're fighting those demons on the street because we get dispatched to those calls. Um, to me, it lends a lot of credibility to say, no, 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 I've been in your shoes or your shoe. You know, I, I would joke like that, trying to take the sting out of, uh, uh, trying to take the sting out of a, a situation and get them thinking about something else, maybe even make them smile like this, you know? Um, but I, I think it lends a lot of credibility. I'd say, no, I've been where you're at and this is what I've dealt with. And this is what I've done to, um, uh, make myself better or get through that situation. Um, so, you know, as far as police work goes, I think that my injury actually helped me. You know, that's one thing I really do enjoy about this. Not my injury, but, you know, th- this line of work is you can help people at their worst and coach them through it, live them through it. That's and you're relatable. You're a very relatable person, which that definitely helps. And you're, you're right. Your, your humor always helps. Laughter is definitely the best medicine, I, in my opinion. And you, you, you can always joke about everything. So that's that's awesome. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's all. And you have to. I mean, that's how you survive. You know, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> we did that in in the military. We've yeah. done that as police officers. Um, I think a lot of people do that in life. Is you have to be lighthearted with it because if you take it too seriously, you know, I hey, I had this bad thing happen to me, and if that's all you do, if that's all you think about. This bad thing happened yeah. to me. This bad thing happened to me. Um, that's all you focus on. Try to find the good. You know, and yeah. I was thinking about yeah. it recently where, um, when my injury first happened, how hard that was. I mean, that, that wrecked me, you know, that this, I think I said it in the last one where this was not my plan. And, uh, um, when something like this happens to you, how hard that is to overcome, how hard that is to beat. And, you know, not just this type of injury, but anything in your life, you know, maybe a family member dies or, you know, a loss of a job. Um, that's not trivial. That's, that's serious business. Um, and, um, you know, having those support structures, but also telling yourself, Hey, I can get through this helps. Yeah. That's awesome, man. 
Yeah, positive self-talk. I think all that's important. I, I have it one is. other question. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Chris has anything else, but pa- past couple of uh, episodes I've asked this, and I just think it's important to ask. I asked it to Justin Sheehan. I asked it to Chris, uh, Dutch, uh, Moyer. And the the reason I ask too is I think everybody's going to have a different opinion on this. And for guys like both of you who have been in combat, someone like you who lost a leg in combat, I'm sure you contemplate, all right, should we have even been over there? Should we have been in, in Iraq? And, you know, the big news, not news, but it's going to be the ongoing thing for however long is the Russia-Ukraine situ- situation and us getting involved, boots on the ground, no fly zones, the same stuff we talked about last Week And I just would like to hear your opinion because of the fact that if we do go over there in that capacity, and I think people sometimes think if we say we shouldn't be over there in that capacity, it means like we're somehow siding with Putin, which is a ridiculous yeah. idea. There's a difference right. between that and having boots on the ground. And the thing that I always wonder and would like to hear your perspective on is if we do have boots on the ground, there are going to be guys who come back like you. And there are going to be guys who don't come back at all. And the question right. is, should we be over there in that capacity? I want to hear your opinion. Uh, are we talking specifically Ukraine or just uh, in general or, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, that type of thing? Well, we can get into any of it if you want. But I just think for right now, like Ukraine and Russia is the big thing being talked sure. about because that the, people are saying World War Three. And if, right. if it is indeed World War Three, you're going to see guys come back missing limbs and, and not coming yeah. back at all. Yeah. Um, short answer. Absolutely not. We do not need to be boots on the ground, anything like that. Um you know, and I've been following this thing, obviously, I think most people have as well, especially your listeners. Um, I keep hearing, well, no fly zone, no fly zone, no fly zone. And I'm like, no, no. I mean, people that say that, again, we're going back to policymakers, lawmakers that say, well, we need to do this without any inclination about what that entails. Yeah. Right. Um Sounds great on paper. Like we, the people shouldn't be up here flying, bombing, you know, uh, civilians. Yeah, I agree. But the second you go to enforce, there's only one way to enforce that. And that's, yeah, you have to to close the airspace, whether it's by us or another nation. And the second you do that, the second you shoot down one of your, their planes, you know, they're going to be like, okay, fine. Game on. Um, so yeah, no, my, the, I say the short answer is no. I feel horrible about what's going on. You know, you see the pictures, you see the videos. What's going on over there is disgusting. You know, it's it's horrible what's happening to citizens and these towns. And you see these these towns that are just leveled um, or blown apart. It's horrible. But that doesn't mean it's our problem. Yeah. You know, no, we I, can, I agree with you. Let's give them aid. Let's let's support them. Um you know, here's, here's tons of food, medical supplies, even lethal aid. I don't really have a problem with, I mean, that, that can almost be a slippery slope, I guess. Um, but putting boots on the ground, absolutely not, you know, and that's obviously a different story if, you know, Poland gets hit or, you know, something like that happens. I understand that. I understand alliances and, you know, people are our allies, but as it sits now, uh, uh-uh. uh, it's not our problem. And then people can argue, well, it will be our problem. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, but as far right. as getting involved in there, hell no. no. Why? Why? To me, and even I think Dutch even said this. I'm not sure if Justin did. I think he did. But 
in fact, I know he did. And, and Justin's a DevGrew guy, you know, Dutch's first ranger. And then he was the unit. It's, and I agree with the same thing. It's a re, it's a regional problem. It's a regional issue between those two. Right. If we right. get involved, it escalates to now it's a world issue. Um, war sucks guys, everything. And, and I agree with Matt. And if you hate Matt or you hate me for saying it's not our problem, it, it isn't, it isn't at all as far as getting involved and, Escalating in well, this case is different than escalating. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, Ian and I have had this discussion as well. And this isn't Iraq or Afghanistan or Libya or anything like that, or even Syria. This is somebody that has a lot of nuclear weapons. All right, and it's not just right. going to be guys going over there dying. It's going to be people over here dying if it escalates to that point and yeah. no nah, the yeah. war was lost we th that was lost by with our with, when it started if it couldn't have got a diplomatic solution it was done and that's just how it right. is and war sucks yeah and what i mean yet. by you know drawn you know where do we draw the line i don't mean like a line in the sand type thing i mean there's there's atrocities that happen all over this planet and you know where do we draw the line of where we're going to get involved we you know in my mind, we're not the world police. You know, we cannot rescue yeah. everybody. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have problems on the continent of Africa, you know, um, oh. all throughout Asia, you know. Um, who, our, where do you our allies, like Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Oh, God. You're right. There, there you, know, you go. I mean, there, there's issues all over this planet. And, yeah, you know, you, <clears throat> you look at some of the stuff that's going on with our allies and, you know, you're like – Really, um, <laughs> that's who we're supporting, you know. Um, yeah, you know, you know why you why it's so interesting doing this podcast though, and I think Chris could probably like reflect this. Like, think about this: we don't ask, and, and you know, Chris does this, but for the audience, we don't ask anyone what their opinion is in advance. I want to get people's actual opinion. We're never gonna yeah. ha have someone on because they're gonna think this way or another. But like all these recent guys we've had on, combat vets. All, at least of these few people we've had on recently, all seem to have the exact same opinion on Ukraine, Russia. But if you turn on the news, it's like these think tank people, these mm. political action committee people who have never been in war. They don't know what combat is and they're banging the drum for war. And they're saying, say. you know, Biden needs to do more. And I think ignorant people in the public are easy to control in that way. And they're like, you know, they see these photos of children dying and what and the atrocities going over there. And it's easy to manipulate them into saying we need to get involved. But you could take that same footage of, of you know, as we said, concentration camps in China. What's going on in Saudi Arabia? And, and you're right. When exactly? does it end? Um, you know, it's just, and, and, and quite honestly, we could take that same, I, and I don't mean to be like a propagandist against America, but we don't see that same drone footage of civilians that America has killed overseas. Yeah. And if we did, maybe public opinion would change on that too. Um, I totally agree with that. And um, as someone who hasn't been in war, but talks to guys who've been in war, I, I don't want us to, to see us be the world police. And I do think it's a huge slippery slope because this is going to lead to another war because then they can sell us in something else. There's atrocity going on here or well, anywhere. Let's be honest. You know, you, you talk about like uh, propaganda, you know, and when you hear propaganda, you think Russia, China, North Korea. But I tell you, the American propaganda machine is, is strong. It's extremely strong. Um, you know, talking about how people that don't know any better, how easily they're swayed. You know, like you said, beating the war drum and 
that was a term that I've used. I was going to use it today. If you didn't like, it's amazing how some of these people are beating this war drum for Ukraine. And you're like, hold on. Like critical thinking in society is few and far between, you know, um, people will gobble up things that these, these, uh, heads on TV or their favorite star or, uh, their favorite sports star tells them and they believe it without going, okay, but why should I believe that? Right. Um, okay. That's your opinion. That's great. I'm going to take that into account perhaps, but let's stop, pump the brakes here and let me think for myself. And a lot of people, I don't, maybe that's even not fair, but you see in our society where that's, that's, that's a thing, you know, that propaganda machine and people just believe what, you know, this TV station or this social media site is, is saying, um, yeah, people are sold very, very easily on that. And I just, Again, it's horrible what's happening in Ukraine, but we need to look at – people need to look at it and go, okay, but how, why, how or why do we need to be involved? And will, will getting involving with boots on the ground, will that make it any better or will it make it any worse and why? And, yeah. and I, the answer the – answer yeah. I, I, exactly. It just escalates. Um, it, it escalates. It, it always escalates. Adding, adding more fire to it will always escalate. And especially yep. when you're having world powers, not just not just countries with dictators, but world power. And you can call him a dictator. Yeah, I guess he is. Whatever. But they're a world. I say it again. Third time. World power. They have a lot of right. nuclear weapons that I do not believe that if he was back in a corner, he would be afraid to use. I've thought of that, too. Yeah. And, and that that to me right there. And that to me. And again, it goes back to it's, it's a regional. It is. It's a regional problem. And on a tactical mm-hmm. side of the house, if you want to think out of completely outside of just the human element of it, which is the atrocities going on, if you want to think it tactically, the longer Russia is in a sustained war, the weaker they're going to get. I mean, they shit, they couldn't even get right. cars from across from across the border to to assault because they ran out of gas. Now that's taking everything away from that's ta- that's taking all the emotion away from all the people that will die. But if you're thinking tactically, hey, shit, this like when we fought in Afghanistan, I think Russia, yeah. shit, let them fight. Let them fight. Get, let, them, let them keep yeah. beating each other up. They're just getting weaker and weaker. They're, on If you're thinking just that, guys, I'm not saying I don't want people to die. I don't like to see people dying. <laughs> but if you're just, you got to think that way as a leader sometimes. Just a tactical standpoint, what would happen if be better for us if Russia was in a sustained war? They would continually get weaker, and eventually, I would see their population would actually cause the stop of of the war. But um, yeah, either but, way, well, though, we don't want involvement. I think uh, based off some of the things I've seen, is you know, there's Russians over there that are like, "Stop the war!" Hey, what are we doing here? Yeah. But there's nothing. Look at. Look at the environment over there. There's nothing coming out over there. It's been shut down. You know, there there yeah, are people yeah. over there. Probably a majority. A lot of people are like, "What are we do? What are you doing? Stop!" Yeah. But you don't get to yeah. hear. It. Yeah, you hear it right here. And then and then the <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, and then, no, and then the whole sentiment. I mean, how overblown it's gotten. Where there's like 
Russian children who are trying to like compete in some, you know, I don't know if it's the Olympics, but like some type of sport. And, and we're like, we're borrowing all Russians for the things that their government is doing. It's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. And then just the hypocrisy of, of if you called COVID-19 the China virus, oh, you know, you're, that's way out of line. But if you're like yeah. stopping children from like competing in something that they're right. passionate about because right. their leader sucks, I, yeah. I, it's, it's completely mind boggling to me. I know. It's, I saw the same thing because I still follow motocross, you know, and I, I don't know if it was motocross or not. Um, some sort of motorcycle race, right? Motorsports. And they're like, well, if you're from the Russian Federation, we're not going to let you race. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a weird way to go about that. Okay. Like, like you said, yeah, I mean, that's this guy's a racer. They're, they're playing sports, but I'm going to be punished for what my leadership does, you know, thousands of miles away. That's okay. Yeah. Let's not let kids play because screw Russia. It, it doesn't add any, any, uh, it doesn't help add any positivity to no. any well, the problem we have. And it doesn't, it's not going to stop. Believe me, it's not going to stop the issue right now. In fact, it's going to, no, but that's, that's that whole bandwagon you're, thing. That's that, yeah. That's that lack of critical thinking, you know. Hey, let's Which, jump on. Yeah, Russia's bad. Okay, no more, no more kids basketball from Russia. No because, more kids you know, basketball. Russia's bad, you know. But people jump on that. I've band never like, understood. Yeah, and and it happens all the time. I've never understood that type of policy. I mean, like the other one I could even think of, right, is like Ben and Jerry. We know that they're like ultra liberal. They're very anti-Israel, sure. and the fact they're like, we're no longer going to sell ice cream in Jerusalem. But who is that punishing? It's just punishing civilians who want to eat your ice cream. I don't think Netanyahu cares. Like, right. He's got a whole refrigerator full of, of, of Ben and Jerry's ice Oh, shit. I got to throw all this away. Right. I can't have any more of my Ben and Jerry's yeah. Yeah, like, monkey. Like world leadership is going to be like, ah, uh, you know what? All right, pack it in. The ice cream's gone. Everyone stop what they're doing. You're right. We're done. Oh, oh man. It, uh, it's, um, I agree with you, bro. That's why I don't even watch it anymore. I, you know what I watch? Best channel in the whole world. And it's 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 Chinese theater. It's, you know, it's I watch Haya. <laughs> I love Haya channel. Haya channel on Roku, man. Oh, it's Kung Fu. Yeah. talking about it's, that. It's Kung Fu theater, man. I love it. I, oh, yeah. I, it reminds me of the old Kung Fu theater that I used to watch as a kid. Haya, man. Check it out. You're out there. Hi, yeah. You need to become a sponsor of Battleline Podcast because I love your channel. It's freaking awesome. And then you forget all the problems in the world. You're just watching guys getting kicked in the face, dude, with and yeah. subtitles. Yeah. Some and they have gotten right. better. They're not as poor as they used. Well, to Well, that was like um, most extreme elimination challenge. And oh, I love that up. show. That's so yeah. second favorite. Yes, yeah. Oh man, we've got Don't a post that on the Battleline Podcast Facebook Facebook page because it's the most politically incorrect show you'll ever find, and it's about Tak Takishi's Castle. It was it was a game show they used to have over in Japan, and it is they, they've subtitled it with Americans now, and it's it's very it's a parody. It is hilarious. Most extreme yeah. elimination channels. That is also on the Roku channel. That I watch, I watch nice. that at night. Uh, yeah, uh, is that is that like the thing that uh, Chris Farley and Mike Myers parodied on SNL, where like Chris Farley's getting his balls electric shocked? Remember? No, I, no, I remember, no, it's nothing like did you have to? I can't even explain okay. it. Indeed, indeed, Ken, indeed. Remember that though? Remember yeah. that skit? <laughs> yeah. This no, this, this is, is more like like uh, they go through like obstacle courses almost, and they just get the ever living <laughs> shit kicked out of them. 
It's great. But the funny part is, is the American voices that are that are talking over the the Japanese people. I mean, you got the act in there. And it's Kenny Blankenship and and Vic Romano and uh, Guy Ledouche yeah. is the other kind. I, I I love that. Dude, most accumulation challenge. This people need to start watching that kind of stuff again, especially right. if you are easily offended, because it's going to stop making you easily. It was back in the day when we were <laughs> easily offended off of everything in the world, and you watch it, and it's just hilarious. And some of these obstacles, some of these people, man, they get hit. I mean, they not punched. It's just obstacles. They they get they crash hard. You're like, oh, like the horse races, uh, or guys that yeah. are like you're dressed up as a horse and you're supposed to go. Uh, oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. Or what, that what, pink what, surfboard where they're like ten, the 12, pink surf- in the air, uh, <laughs> yeah. riding that pink dolphin. Or oh, riding the pink. Oh man, it is hilarious. Man. Indeed, I keep remembering. Indeed, indeed, Ken, indeed. Uh, all right, <laughs> all right. That, that's we'll have to. Ha- well, that, I'm glad you said that because. I know you were even cool. Now you're even way, even, I mean, there was no way you could even be any cooler. And now you've actually set the bar even higher there. Uh, so, okay. Ah. Yeah. This has been, this has been awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, to, to end it on, on, you know, not that we're not ending on a positive note, but to end it with something positive, you want to maybe plug like some of the, the work that homes for our yeah. groups is doing. Cause I know that's, you know, f- close to you. Yeah. Um, well, and that's something in our travels. Like we had to, I got a hold of them when we were moving. I was like, hey, uh, so we're leaving Washington State. We're not going to be looking for land up here anymore. And just a top-notch organization. They're like, okay, well, let us know where you land. You know, let us know where, where you end up and uh, we'll start the search there. Um, I don't know what else good I can say about that organization. I mean, yeah, they're, they're helping me out. Um, but uh, getting, again, this is, well people that are worse off than me, they're giving these guys homes and that's a really good thing. Yeah, it's cool. I'm getting one, but you know, you see guys that are in wheelchairs, um, missing multiple limbs and they give them this, you know, they build them this home that basically, um, a, they don't have to worry about a mortgage. Um, and it, the, the entire house is handicap accessible. So if you're in a wheelchair, you can, you can roll in and out of the house, um, and everything from the cooktop to the closets, are set up for somebody that's in a wheelchair or, you know, handicap, uh, um, handicap. Uh, they even put a lift in the house. If you're immobile, that will take you from the bed to the shower. Yeah. Um, and then they build these homes all across the country. In fact, if you go to their website, they have an interactive map that shows all the homes they've built, um, or, or are going to build. And it's, um, it's cool to see that, but then it's also really cool. You know, it's a look into people's lives and their stories. You, you guys think it's great, my story, but there's 300 other stories there that you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's significant. You know, and a lot of these other people um, with the organization, they go on to these other lives because of this homes built for them. They go out and do good things in their life. Not that they wouldn't, but this helps, uh, this helps free it up for them, free up their time, um, their energy. And, you know, you see them getting degrees and going out and help, uh, helping people paying it forward. It's really, really cool. That's awesome. And hey, we, we know how, to, how people can donate and stuff to them. Do we have all that, Ian? Like, or is there a way to donate? To- I, I have the website here. It's just HFOTUSA.org. So, Matt, I yeah. assume you can do, right, go on right in there okay. and make a donation. Yeah. 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 Last time I checked, there's uh, there's links in there. And um, you can go and donate that way. Uh, and honestly, my parents... Even before, well, this was early 2000, 2004, 2005. 
uh, before you know, I was even thinking about the, being a part of this organization. My parents donated, and you can, um, I think, do like almost payroll deduction type stuff. You know, and you oh. get to pick the amount. You could do five bucks a month. You could do you know whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, they'll they'll have, they'll explain that all on those links and on those websites. So cool. Well, bye. We, it's good to know because people people message me on the Battle Line podcast, Instagram and stuff. And that I have been asked, like, what's a good organization to give to? Or I was on um, that guy, Professor Boutron's uh, podcast, and he was even asking me. And I, I mean, I don't know enough about the inner workings, but I just know from talking to people, like sometimes the bigger organizations like the Wounded Warrior Project organizations, I, I'm not you know talking about them in particular, but a lot of them a lot of that money goes to like the higher up people and the guys who really need it sometimes don't see the lion's share of that money. And it's like, it's, it's organizations like this and gallant few and Gary Sinise foundation. And, um, you know, all those types of organizations stop ranger suicide where the money actually stop soldier suicide, where the money really goes to those guys who need it. Yeah. Another good one. Uh, special operations warrior foundation, uh, down in Tampa. That's a oh. really good one. Is that the SOWW one? Special Operation Wounded Warriors or Special Operation w- Warrior Foundation? Because I've never heard of the, uh, that. That's... Yeah, it's Special Operations Warrior Foundation. I'll have to check so it out. Yeah, fact, I don't know that one. Um, the, the night I got hurt, the air mission commander for 160th, he is the CEO, Clay Hutmacher. He's the CEO down okay. there now. Good dude. Um yeah, okay. good organization. Like uh, they'll put, uh, I think that's if my brain's not too fuzzy right now. They'll put um, fallen soldiers, special operations soldiers, fallen soldiers, kids through college. Wow, that's that's awesome. Ah, that's that's amazing. I definitely need. To, yeah, I yeah. didn't know them. I'll have to check them out, brother. And we of course <laughs> got to mention Fourteenth Hour Foundation oh, yeah. with that as well, and and Glenn Doherty Memorial. Yeah, Glenn's there's, there's a lot of good ones. Definitely, brother. Yep. And did you? Yeah. I know we, you you've you've pushed the limit, dude. You look like the yeah. You look like day eleven uh, in Florida phase, where you're fucking. We're about we're the next day. We're about ready to hump back in, dude. So uh, not that mm. you don't look good, you yeah. just look tired, very mm. tired. We yeah. we've kept you long. No, enough, no, man. that's <laughs> no, not that you don't look good, but you look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you look good like like shit. I mean, you're the best guy. Looks yeah. like shit that looks good. You're, you you look pull like it good. off. You pull it off. It's good yeah. shit. Yeah. That's good. Good to have uh, you on, brother. Sh- Twelve hour night shifts is kicking my ass. Oh no, 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 won't do it. Better you. It's bad, man. So hop along waters on Instagram. And there's two T's in waters. Uh, yeah. Hop along waters on Instagram. This has been great. Uh, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Really helps us out. I also noticed just recently. Uh, I'm not on Spotify as much. You can leave reviews on Spotify now. So sometimes people ask, where else could I leave reviews? If I'm on an Android, you can leave reviews on Spotify and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Battleline Podcast on YouTube, because. Starting next month, we will have video up, finally. We've been talking about it for like a year. We will finally have video up. Uh, this has been great, and, and I feel we'll do a part three, man. There's still more to cover. Yeah, no, I'm down. All right, we just make sure, tell us if you're still on nights so we can work it out where it's better for you. <laughs> I mean, if you don't no, have you to, if you what? don't want uh, to. 
before we do round three, I'll be sure to stay up for 48 hours and then try to. <laughs> yeah, and picking up Tootsie Rolls during the podcast. Yeah, right. Hey, there's a Tootsie Oh, there's an Oh, there's another one. That's <laughs> awesome, bro. Tell, I'll tell the family. Tell family hi, brother. And um, you're you know we always welcome whenever you're passing through. You're welcome to the house. Um, except you bring your underwear fucking again. Toothbrush in. You cannot wear my underwear. No, I'm locking my toothbrush <laughs> in. Hey. Uh, Thanks, man. All right, man. Appreciate it, man. Take care, buddy. All right, boys. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.